Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Dynasty Life. First episode of the new year. Redraft and best ball end, but Dynasty is life. And I'm really excited that I have my friend Alfredo Brown in the house uh, from Football Guys, ready to rock, ready to talk a little bit of Dynasty. It, it's sort of like the regular season winds down, and then there's a whole segment of the fantasy football population that just like wanders around aimlessly. But for us people in Dynasty, this is like the real season. You get the you start you start diving into the rookie classes, you start looking at the free agency. You start looking at the playoffs and hoping your guys don't get hurt. It's like a whole new ball game, and it's really, really exciting time. So, Alfredo, welcome to Dynasty Life. We've podcasted together several times now, but this is your first time in the Dynasty Life seat. So, so welcome. How are you doing this time of year? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I feel very welcomed being here. You and I were were talking a little bit before the show. Uh, I, I'm an emotional roller coaster right now being a Dolphins fan. Everything, it's just been so up, then so down. and. I kind of just want to be put out of my misery right now. Like I just, I, I, I almost don't want them to win this week. And I know that feels weird. I'm just like, I'm done. My heart can't take anymore. So that's how I'm doing right now. I, I kind of like the dolphins this weekend. I told you that. And, and I feel like I'm giving you hope right now, but uh, yeah. I kind of, I kind of like the, I kind of like the dolphins this weekend. I think that the, uh, the chiefs just at times cannot score. And I think this is the kind of game and we saw Mike McDaniel with almost a perfect, uh, scenario last year with Skylar Thompson behind center in Buffalo in a game they were supposed to get demolished in and he had them right at the end you know with a chance to win that game so I I think there's a little bit of goodwill on the Miami side I, I realize Kansas City is much bigger favorites in the AFC picture I just don't get really positive vibes from this Kansas City team right now uh, I think they're going to sque- they're looking to kind of squeak through rely on their defense and Miami you know for all intents and purposes has dudes and if they can, you know, get off to a slight early lead, I think this becomes a really, really interesting game this weekend. But I don't want to give you too much hope. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs from a dynasty perspective. But first, I kind of want to dive into what's your basic process this year in terms of your dynasty process? Like, I know you're doing a lot of dynasty content. Are you specifically looking at the the 2024 rookie class? Like, what what is driving you right now and your interest level in the beginning of January? I think right now, it's especially because we're in such a time of uncertainty, is I want to focus a bit more of my attention on the guys that we have a little bit more certainty on and we can maybe sort of build off of. So I've been looking a lot at this current rookie class from 2023. And oh, hey, Joey Wright. What's up, man? Shout out, shout out to Joey Wright. And shout out to Anthony in the chat saying that it's going to be a little too cold for your Miami Dolphins. <sighs> yeah, Anthony, I know. I know. By the way, Joey Wright, also known as Jose Correcto to our uh, Spanish-speaking crew. I'm just saying. I've just found that out today. Fun. Um, but anyway, so for me, what, at this time of year with Dynasty, like I do want to focus more a little bit on the guys that we we already know something about, right? And we can sort of build off of this. And sometimes it gets a little narrative-y, but I've been looking a lot at this rookie class. And you know, guys like 
Puka Nakua and how, how are we going to feel about them going forward? And, um, you know, can, can you trust a lot of these rookies that had the big year and are they going to continue to you know, build on that going forward? That's kind of more or less where I'm at. And I think over the next, I want to say like 30 days or so, I'll really dive into this rookie class. I, I, I have a background in college scouting and, and I did that for a year and it was a really cool experience. Um, I've almost made it a habit that when I start to think about rookies, I actually don't watch much of the in-season games because so much of that is, is based on emotion and the wins and losses and the narratives and the headlines and all that, that I kind of just want to go into this as a blank slate, go check out the film, see how everything looks, take a look at the analytics, marry those things together and say, okay, these are my guys. I, I didn't have to experience all the ups and downs of Michael Penix Jr. I can just go into this with a clean slate and see, all right, th this is who this guy is. Yeah, and I love that you brought up your scouting background because I'm sure that your football guys' uh, audience is aware of that, but player profile audience might not be. Correct me if I'm wrong, this was Florida International was the school you were associated with, Alfredo? Yes, sir. Pause that, up. Go Panthers. That's, that's really cool stuff. And how did that kind of kind of happen for you um, where you ended up being a scout? Yeah, um, it's kind of like uh, how most kids end up getting jobs, which is just, I sent an email and then I kept just kind of being annoying to see like how I could get involved. And uh, I found someone on staff they had the email up on, on the FIU sports website. I was like, all right, cool. Let me reach out to this guy. Did it. No response. Followed up a week later. No response. Followed up two weeks later. Finally got someone to respond to me. He's like, yeah, come in. Let's talk. Well, maybe we have an internship or something. And I basically went in there and I was, I was the coffee boy. I was Mario Cristobal sandwich boy. Uh, that, that was it. I was running to Publix and grabbing sandwiches and I did that for a while. And then, you know, I kind of did the, so when can I actually get involved in doing something? They're like, here, here's a thousand prospects. We, we need reports on all these guys. Little did I know, like they already had it, but they just wanted to see if I was worth anything. And so they left on Christmas break, came back, boom, had it written up on all thousand guys. Just absolutely wild. I was not paying attention to anything else in my life at the time. And they're like, oh, okay you've got some similar opinions to us. Cool. And like, I'll always look back at one of my crowning achievements was, you know, seeing John U. Smith and, and being All like, right. that's a guy that we need to go and get. He's kind of under the radar at the moment. Uh, and that's like, that's, that's like the one feather in my hat that I'll always, I've been wrong about a million and one things, but that's the the feather in the cap that I'll always look back at. I, I love that. It's a very, very cool thing. And I think that the lesson learned is if you're willing to put in the time and grind, that's oftentimes the way to get your foot in the door and pretty much anything in life. Favorite FIU football player ever for me, easy T.Y. Hilton. How about for you? It's T.Y., baby. It's T.Y. I still, so here's another thing. I still believe the legend here that it was me and my fraternity brothers in the corner of the end zone as he's getting ready to receive a kickoff for the, for the beginning of the game. We were there going, T.Y., T.Y. Why? And from, from then on, he like kind of looked over. He's like, okay, okay. Like he got into it from then on. That was the chant. Every time TY did something, I don't know if maybe they already did that in high school, but I, I choose to believe that me and, and my fraternity brothers started that. I'm going to say that at some point his high school classmates chanted TY Hilton or TY. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. Possibly Alfredo, <laughs> but let's, let's take it back to, to dynasty. You know, you talk about yeah. kind of your process this time of year, and certainly it's always a fun process to try to identify the Michael Carters, the Tyler Algiers, and you know, the James Robinsons who get nuked at some point during the dynasty offseason. It gives uh, fan some fantasy majors great trepidation. It can give you a pathway into buys and sells, which we're going to talk about a little later. But I really want to take a step back because you put a lot of time and energy into not only your rookie rankings, but your dynasty evaluation process for the entire season. And when we had an opportunity to podcast 
with Dave Kluge, Billy Muzio, uh, and the two of us, you know, we talked about this this question from a redraft perspective. But when you talk about disappointments and mistakes in Dynasty, they get amplified because they're for many seasons to come. And when it comes to positive surprises, like having a Puka Nakua or Kyron Williams on your Dynasty roster, it's like found money. So let's start out with the biggest disappointment. Who was your biggest Dynasty disappointment this season? Maybe a guy that you were high on, or maybe football guys was high on from a Dynasty perspective that really uh, kind of underperformed and let you down. You know, I don't think it was just me. I think it was everybody, the fantasy community, the entire industry got really high on Tony Pollard. And we we just we wanted to believe, right? Like, what's the X-Files thing? Like, I just want to I want to believe. I think that's where we were, man. Like, we all saw that he had talent. We're all like, OK, he's going to get opportunity. Maybe not everybody. I don't, I don't know. Theo, were, were you in on Tony Pollard going into the season? I was somewhat neutral, but it was the kind okay. of thing. So I dra- I am I, I play high volume. He was the kind of guy that you didn't want to be without because there was the a scenario right. where he went nuts. But I love your answer. Continue. Well, so it's like, I mean, so for like for every Tony Pollard that you end up with, you also get a Rashad White. You know, these guys that you you're not sure what to make of it, but they end up getting the the they end up getting the volume. And that's what just kind of buoys their fantasy relevance. And Tony Pollard, I mean, you start to look at some of the underlying metrics and like the secondary stuff, and he got opportunities. He had a ton of goal line work, and it just he just wasn't converting that ridiculous play Dallas against Miami where he gets his butt in the end zone, but it never actually gets the ball in the end zone. And it's just plays like that over and over. Um, I also don't think we were expecting Dak to be this good. So, I mean, there was just so many of these different factors that went into it of like, there is sort of a variant world, an alternate timeline where Tony Pollard does end up being one of those like top five running backs from this this season. It just, it didn't happen. And that was the one where I was looking at where, man, okay, 25, super talented, good offense, tons of opportunity. What could go wrong? Well, turns out everything. And I'll give a shout out to one of your colleagues over at Football Guys, but I heard a podcast this past summer and it was all roses with Tony Pollard. And we certainly had him a highly ranked player profiler, as did most sites. But there was one analyst who was Adam Harstad, who I've had a chance to mm-hmm. podcast with in the past, old school, you know, knowledgeable oh. guy. And uh, he was completely pouring cold water on Tony Pollard, calling him the bust. And shout out to Adam. I'm not sure if Adam's going to listen to this one, but you know, he was spot on and everybody else sort of loved the situation with Pollard next man in. And we'd seen Tony Pollard do it. I think that the lesson learned for me with Pollard was the injury, the injury. We completely brushed aside because he received the tender from Dallas. And you know, why would they pay somebody uh, if he was injured? But I think that injury really took a lot out of him. Yards per carry were career low yards per reception were career low. And he had so many explosive plays that just didn't happen this year. Like his previous seasons, it was the small sample size guy where he had, you know, so many big explosive plays. And now when he gets more volume, the explosive plays didn't happen. It it, it kind of like doesn't make sense, but it does if you take a step back. I think at, he was a capped volume guy that they tried to give too much volume to. And it's like a long-term lesson learned. Um, a lot of times we expect those guys to take a big step forward with touches, and some guys just are better when they get 150, 160 touches on the year than 250. So maybe that's it. But how about a positive, Alfredo, a guy either you were really high on or a guy you kind of lucked into um, that just really exceeded expectations? And for this one, we're not going to let you say Puka Nakua. <laughs> that's fine. Um, 
I think for everybody, a positive surprise was Kyron Williams, but I'll be honest. I wasn't, I wasn't high on him and I'm still kind of wishy-washy on Kyron Williams. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I, I think he did a lot to change people's mentalities on him. I think the guy who um, I was high on him and he still surprised me was Devon Achan. Yeah, who, I mean, it, it was, it was so hard to deny his athleticism, his talent. And he's okay. You're adding him into this great offense. Like everything seemed to be just turning up perfect for Achan. And then he gets into the game and it just blows our expectations out of the water. And I remember seeing in preseason, he gets injured and everyone's like, oh, see, he's small. He's small. He's going to keep getting hurt. And granted, oh, by the way, Stanley time. Let's go, Stanley brothers. I see you with your water too. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, we'll give a preface to this as well. But I, I love your, I love your Devon A chain talk. Keep it going. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, um, so, I mean, it, it was just, I don't think that we've seen everything from Devon HN yet. Like I, I really don't. I think so much of it ha- got covered up by Raheem Mostert having an absolute career year. Do I think Raheem Mostert shows up again and has 20 touchdowns next year? Probably not. And I think the offense for Miami actually can get even better. I think that so much of that offense started to really get stunted towards the back half of the year. One, I think Mike Daniel needs to get better at adjusting his plays as the season goes on. But two, that offensive line, I think if I remember correctly, had the lowest percentage of plays with their starting offensive line unit together on the field. So that's another thing is I think that Miami can improve on the offensive line. I think they can get even a little bit more creative with what they're doing. And Devon HN, his opportunities can continue to go up. So, yeah, he absolutely surprised me as a rookie. Uh, I think he surprised everyone as a rookie. And he's one of those guys that, man, I, I think the ceiling is just kind of limitless for him. I completely agree on the ceiling. Like, you know, I think that this is we're going to talk about guys who can rise in the dynasty playoffs. But I'll say for for me, he's the player who can gain the absolute most. Because if he can show you in a two-game, all it needs is to be is two games. Beat Kansas City, have one more game the following weekend, regardless of getting to a third game. But if he can blow the top off with two 20-point weeks in the fantasy playoffs, then how can you not push him to the tail end of of the of 2024 redraft first round? Because he averages 17-plus points per game as a rookie. Like you talked about, the offensive line can improve. And also you have... The fact that he missed time in the preseason, like we had that scare in the preseason game where he got injured, where everybody thought it would be the season. He ended up missing some time, but not a whole lot of it. So love that one. We're going to dive into a whole number of topics uh, after we hear a word from our sponsor, including how Alfredo and I became Stanley bros a couple of months back. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasy is reminding me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 instant deposit match plus 25 dollars plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play you can't beat it. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Alfredo Brown of Football Guys. And Alfredo, let's hold it up because this was not planned. This was an organic. Dang. This was organic. We have the same color, Stanley. 
we were on a podcast together run by Alan Soslowski of Rotowire, where it was like Jared Smola, Joe Dolan, Bob Harris, a couple of other guys. And we drafted um, a, an underdog team for the, I believe it was the Thanksgiving slate. Yep. And uh, we both were drinking from a Stanley. And I, I took a sip or two. And then Alfredo, in solidarity, pulled out his Stanley. And it became like a running bit. We became Stanley bros after. So so that was uh, that was a cool moment that we shared, Alfredo. I just love, you know, it's just, we stay hydrated together. You know, it's, it's, I, I have found out that the Stanley cups have now become super popular. Uh, I, a family member who's like 11 years old. Oh, Stanley cups. That's so preppy. And I'm like, this is, that's a weird definition for a, a, a jug of water, but all right, I'm in. If this is what's cool, then I'm, I'm all up being hydrated. Yeah. They definitely have become like a hot ticket item. Uh, you know, just in the holiday season, I had to buy a bunch for my, for my kids um, and these four, like I use, a, you use it and I use the 40 ounce uh, water cup, yeah. but these kids who are like eight years old, want the 40 and 30 ounce water cups. You see these, my daughter <laughs> uh, who's in third grade, her and her girlfriends are carrying around these like massive waters. They can't even fit them in like the side pouch of their backpacks, but they want to flex with them at school. So definitely, definitely a cool thing, but want to dive a little bit into the, the second year running backs. Cause like, we'll start with Kyron Williams. I had a process where. Josh Larkey, Billy Muzio, and I, we drafted two rounds of 2024 redraft recently on First Class Fantasy. You can find that right here on Player Profiler YouTube if you just go to the First Class Fantasy section. It was a really fun show, and there were a couple of surprises here and there, mostly chalk at the top. But the one player who we were all in agreement with was Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams right now on underdog early drafts is going like top five, top six. We both saw him as a guy who will end up being like a one-two turn type guy in redraft. But when you talk about a dynasty perspective, it becomes even more interesting because you're talking about a, you know, a pretty late day three selection who's sub 200 pounds, who is not a burner by any means, whose reputation coming into the league was being a guy who we projected to be a, you know, more of a third down back, a pass catching running back who could thrive in that role ran a very poor 40, and then year one, there was like the the Kyron Williams waiver wire enthusiasm time period. Then he gets injured and kind of has a lost rookie season. Year two, you hear the, you know, the rumblings in the preseason about how much Stafford and McVay love him, but we still viewed him as the backup to Cam Akers. All of a sudden, that gets completely turned upside down game one. That's all, that's all she wrote. Kyron Williams ends up averaging 20 plus points per game, has like three 30-point games. Insane. But now you come into the perspective where is he a buy or is he a sell or is this a more nuanced answer for you, Alfredo? I think it's a more nuanced answer. And in many ways, I'm going to sound smart by saying it's a nuanced answer, but then I'm also going to kind of cop out by just saying I'm not buying or selling. I think that if you have him, you're just holding on to him and you're experiencing the ride i think like right now in january we have no idea what sean mcveigh is going to do the rest of the season and like the rams have been a team that have added a running back in the draft every single year for the last what is it three four years yeah. so we don't that doesn't necessarily mean anything either though like because last this time after draft time last year people were freaking out over zach evans and saying zach evans is going to be the guy and the, the i think the thing that i look at here with kyron williams is that not only is his prospect profile very unconventional of a guy having this much success, but his path to getting there was very unconventional too. 
almost doesn't play at all throughout his rookie year, very heavily injured throughout the rookie year. You see guys like Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers ahead of him. And then all off season, it's uh, we've got this confidence in Cam Akers. And then out of nowhere, he's just off the team again. So there's, I, I'm not going to say that Kyron Williams had a bad season. He had a great season. He, I think he improved, which is something we don't talk about enough with players in fantasy football and dynasty in particular. It's not just as simple as these are the numbers. This was the performance guys get better. I didn't like Kyron Williams at the beginning of the season. I didn't think the tape supported a player that was very good. And I think he got better. He got more comfortable. And that's what a lot of these running backs need. They need comfort. They need repetition. They need to get those reps. It's just like being a podcast host. You know, like you need those reps to get better, man. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of long-term value there though. I don't, I, I, and I think we've convinced ourselves like you have to think of it, you know, two, three years down the line. I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it in like year, year by year, which I know is so anti-dynasty, but I think that the, um, the environment of dynasty football has gotten so much more impatient and you kind of have to see where you can expose the, the impatience in, you know, in your dynasty league. I don't think having, I, I, I believe in a three-year window, but I feel like with the running back position, there's just so many kind of mercenaries to come in right. year in, year out that you can plug and play. Good word. Um, you know, it's more of a short-term uh, view as opposed to wide receivers or or tight ends for quarterbacks for that matter. It's almost like two separate games. Running back is different. Now, let's say this, you know, with 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 not diving into this rookie class, what would be something that would get you out of Kyron Williams in non-superflex? If I offer you the 104, for Kyron Williams, are you snatching that up and laughing, and 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 maniacally just like saying what what a rip off I pulled off on Theo, or am I looking to kind of squeeze a little more out of that sort of dynasty manager? In Superflex, I mean, it, once again, this is like another one of those things that needs more nuance and more context to the question, right? Like if I'm if I'm not competing, then sure. Like if, if you're not competing, get get Kyron Williams off your roster. There, you're probably not getting more than a year, two years max of good production from him, and you don't need to be there. Um, I don't know that I'm laughing one way or the other. I think that's kind of fair for what it is right now. That's probably market value for him, but um, specifically in those super flex leagues, I, I think that's pretty fair. If it's a single quarterback league, I think Kyron is probably more valuable than the 104, just because I don't know if this is a very good running back class, or it, and it's it's feels very top heavy. There's a lot of good wide receivers though, so. Um, I'll have to dive in on that a bit more, but Kyron Williams, I'm just so wishy-washy on him right now. I, I got to be honest. Shout out to Tyler Knabel in, in the chat. He traded Kyron Williams for JSN, uh, and now he's a little bit nervous. I, again, <laughs> if we're talking about a long-term decision, uh, Tyler, I'm on that one. And it's funny, like, like Alan Soslowski and I are a little bit more bullish on Kyron. Matt, Matt Kelly was like, take a first for him. He's on that train. So I think he's a he's a really league to league specific value guy, and I do think that there is an argument to be said that if you're going to move Kyron Williams, I want to do that quickly. I don't I don't necessarily want to go through free agency where there's all these veteran running backs, and I certainly wouldn't want to have to survive the draft. Not to say they're looking to replace him, but he saw insane volume this year, and if that volume takes a step back then he's going to have to catch a lot more passes or score a lot more touchdowns to return like top five running back production. So definitely an interesting litmus test. Two other second-year running backs, Alfredo, that are super interesting right now in Dynasty are Rashad White and James Cook. Rashad White ends up being like running back six on the season, was incredibly uh, consistent with his scoring, would continually give you 
double-digit scoring numbers, like north of 13 points per game uh, for like a long, long, long stretch in like the the second half of the season especially. Had a very solid year in terms of touchdown scoring. The yards per carry didn't pick up. That was a knock on him, and he still scored very, very well. Then you have James Cook. James Cook, when we had the coordinator change to Joe Brady, it sort of became a James Cook offense for like six straight weeks where he had these massive scoring weeks and he ends up finishing inside of the RB1 line. How are you gauging these two guys? These were guys that you drafted oftentimes as in non-super flex right at that one-two turn. They were like cut and dry, late first, early second round rookie picks. So you got some ROI. Do you view these guys as foundational running back pieces or are you looking to cash out based on their strong scoring performance in year two? I don't know that I would call either of these guys foundational running back pieces. I think they're definitely valuable running back pieces. I probably have James Cook a little bit higher um, simply because I think he's the better talent. I think he's on the better team, better offense. Didn't need a ton of volume or a ton of touchdowns to be successful. And we've kind of already seen the Bills try to do this thing where they work in the quote unquote like bruiser running back, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, Ty Johnson, Leonard Fournette. And even when they try to do that, James Cook still gets his, you know, he still carves out a role for himself in this offense that we thought was going to be, oh my gosh, so many targets, Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakur now coming up. And uh, James Cook was still one of the most heavily utilized weapons in this offense. And his efficiency was still excellent. Um, he was actually one of the best running backs in terms of yards per carry. And then you look around at who else was on that list there's not that many guys that it, it's going to be very sticky year to year. So like CMC, sure. Jalen Warren, he's got Najee Harris there. It's taking away from him. Jameer Gibbs, top three dynasty running back. Dave Montgomery's taken away from him. James Conner, he's going to be 29 years old. Um, and then, you know, you've got Raheem Mostert, who's got HN, and we don't know how much that's going to. So you start to look around and you're like, huh, there's not a lot of young guys on good offenses that get the passing work that are this efficient. And they might actually get more volume going into the next year. So I I do like James Cook a little bit better. In terms of Rashad White, uh, I'm trying to look at this at the 40,000-foot view. If I'm the GM of the Tampa Bay Bucks, I say, okay, we were last in rushing last year. We need to get better at that. We can't just be this one-dimensional passing offense if Baker Mayfield is our quarterback. I think we need to get a little bit better at this. Your competition window is very short if you do re-sign Mike Evans, right? So I think that that's one of those teams that's going out and looking to grab another running back. Uh, Rashad White survived the draft in free agency last year, but uh, I think there is a Zach Moss or AJ Dillon or one of those guys. that's like maybe not very good, but just annoying enough to ding the value of Rashad White going into next season. I love it. And I think it's interesting because the 2022 running back class, you know, there was a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for Brees Hall at the top. Ken Walker settles in as the RB two in the class, but no one sort of saw this sort of production. We had eight of the top 24 uh, PPR scorers at the running back position come from this specific class this year. It, it, let's take a, take another step forward. So you already have James Cook ahead of ahead of Rashad White in terms of your own personal preference mm -hmm. for your dynasty roster. Let me throw Ken Walker in there, and let me throw Kyron Williams. James Cook, Kyron Williams, or Ken Walker, who would you rather roster on your dynasty roster? Or who would you rather have on your dynasty roster? Let's say, you know, heading into next year. You don't have to tell me for the next three years, because we're already looking at a one-year increment. For specifically 2024, which one do you want? I mean, if we're doing this, essentially we're talking to redraft here, I'd probably go Kyron. 
if I'm thinking maybe just two year stretch, I'm probably going Ken Walker and it's very, very close. But if I'm just looking at strictly next year, Kyron, I think is just going to continue to have opportunity in a good offense and Sean McVay is just going to feed him. So yeah, I'd probably still lean with Kyron. I think that's a great, that's a great answer. I think if you're in a specific win now mode, Kyron, but the cleaner profiles, the more traditional profiles are those guys that went in the second and the third round and had fantasy success for two years. It's not like we're wish casting these guys. We've already seen it. We haven't seen it at the extent that Kyron gave us this year, but we have certainly seen it. Let's talk a little bit about the the running back position as a whole, because I think there's a little bit of, if we had this, if we podcasted and did this show three months ago, the RB1 in Dynasty, we would have both just kind of brushed it off the side and it's Bijan. That's it. But we had uh, the ascension of Jameer Gibbs. We had the incredible late season production from Brees Hall. And then you have that old guy who scores 30 points per game in Christian McCaffrey still. There's a couple other running backs we could talk about, but curious how you're gauging the dynasty marketplace of the running back position. Give us your top three. So for the top three, at least my top two, it was almost kind of a tie and I needed to figure out what was going to be my tiebreaker. So it still is Bijan and Jameer Gibbs as my yeah. top two running backs. The tiebreaker for me, and it was kind of twofold here, is no more Arthur Smith in Atlanta. And David Montgomery bothers me more than Tyler Algier. It shouldn't, and maybe that shouldn't necessarily be that simple, but that was my simple tiebreaker here, where I still think that Bijan Robinson is the better prospect. I still think that Bijan Robinson can do more on the field than Jameer Gibbs and be kind of that that uh workhorse role. But man, like it, it, we're really picking nits here. Like we're we're splitting hairs. It's it's kind of more of a one A, one B than it is a one and two. I agree on that. I actually moved Jameer Gibbs to to the running back one position. Um, but again, this was pre-Arthur Smith firing. I just think with Gibbs, I just think he's gonna go absolutely nuclear in, in year two, slower out the gate a lot more David Montgomery. Now we start seeing him getting the more work around the goal line. And also, Alfredo, the thing about Jameer Gibbs that's wild is if we had a conversation last August and I told you Jameer Gibbs had 52, I believe it was 52 receptions, right around 50, low 50s for his reception total, what will he finish on the year? We both would have said he's outside of the top 24 because the right. whole argument for him was he's going to catch 75, 80 passes as a rookie. That's his pathway we still haven't seen that. And I think that in year two, there's going to be a lot more trust for him uh, as a receiver, getting him more snaps. I just think he could go absolutely nuclear. I still think Bijan Robinson is right there. They're both in like my top six overall dynasty rankings. Um, and then RB3, this one's kind of a conversation. Where's your head at on RB3 right now? Yeah, I think that there is definitely a good argument for Brees Hall to be there at running back three. But I just, I'm not ready to put Christian McCaffrey up on the shelf yet. Like it's, it's not the the Toy Story meme where it's I don't want to play with you anymore. He's still really damn good, man. And like we just, we keep looking at all these games, consecutive touchdowns, over and over and over. He's consistently part of the passing game. There's, he's not, he's not at risk of losing work. And I think that if anyone had any concerns about the Niners' offense, it was, oh, what happens if all these guys are healthy? We found out Christian McCaffrey still eats. Well, what happens? You know, what about Brock Purdy? He was still good enough to run this offense pretty well and was an MVP candidate for most of the season. So Christian McCaffrey is a guy that I think you still kind of, he has to be your de facto running back three, um, especially with just how volatile dynasty gets with how impatient people get. I, I'm not getting scared away by his age. He's 27 right now. 
So, okay, he'll be 28 to start the season. I think you're still getting a good year, maybe two more years of potentially elite play from Christian McCaffrey just because of how good he is and how good that offense is. Yeah, it's it's funny. The guy is a, a specimen as an athlete. He's also such a good pass catcher that he might age a little bit more gracefully and just see his role change. If Christian McCaffrey just says, you know what? That's it, guys. I'm James White. Give me like 75 carries a year. <laughs> you can give me a couple goal line carries here and there, but I'm James White now. Just pass me the ball out of the backfield. Like you could see him doing this, you know, to 31, something like that. But very, very interesting um, to kind of look at the Brees Hall, the CMCs, and kind of gauge that that running back class. Uh, wanted to kind of flip it over here to wide receiver because Puka Nakua, unbelievable. The one of the best rookie seasons ever. You know, we don't want to bore our audience because you guys have heard Puka Nakua talk all season long on every single dynasty show, every single redraft show. I'll add one more thing. If he if he has like 92 catches this year, then he breaks the two-year record for most receptions all time in the NFL, uh, passes Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, and Amon Ross St. Brown with that. So there'll be a lot more Puka talk next year. But want to kind of gauge how you view Puka in terms of a, a dynasty asset. I'm going to go litmus test here. Let's start okay. out with, would you rather roster Puka Nakua or Jalen Waddle from your hometown Miami Dolphins on your dynasty team? Oh man. Uh, I didn't even I put that go, on the show sheet. That's I, off yeah, the show no, sheet. Yeah. You're good. You're good. I, I think I'd rather go Puka there. Okay. I'm with you. Now let's go Puka Nakua or Chris Olave. Okay, so this is a good litmus test. This is a good litmus test because I think that it's interesting, man. Because I think that so much of the value for Puka Nakua is, you know, what happens with Cooper Cup. Is is he does he old man cup? What happens with Matthew Safford? How much longer can we really rely on him? I think I'm gonna still stick with Chris Olave more so because Chris Olave has kind of uh, this is gonna sound so stupid coming out of my mouth, but more so because he's kind of proven that he can do it even with a bad quarterback, and he's kind of shown that he is that wide receiver one. Which I'm sure I'll eat my words if if Pukunaku out produces Cooper Cup next year and Matthew Stafford isn't there and whatever, but. Yeah, I think I still lean Chris Olave there, but just by a little bit. I'm going to go Puka versus Olave. I think it's super, super tight. It's super tight for us in our dynasty rankings. Um, and I'm going to have Puka ahead of him for next year redraft as well. I just don't trust the, like we talked about the quarterback, uh, you know, question marks in LA moving forward, but I don't trust Derek Carr. I don't think he's going to elevate Olave. Uh, Olave always seems to leave a lot, a lot to be desired. He's a really, That's really fair. good player. But I don't, I don't know, like Nakua, guys like him that go this many receptions, I think that, you know, he's going to be a, a target hog, uh, you know, for the rest of his career. And I think he could have a trajectory like Amon Ross St. Brown if it all goes well. I'll give you one more litmus test. Garrett Wilson, Puka Nakua. Mm. I, I view Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave almost identically. And I think I have Puka Nakua just beneath them, where I think I've got... Um, I think I've got Wilson at like seven, Olave at eight, and Nakua at like nine for my dynasty wide receiver rankings. And it's it's really close, man. I wish I could give you a more nuanced answer here. I could absolutely be talked into putting Puka Nakua into the top seven. Yeah, I, I and, and putting I'm, and putting him ahead of them. I'm slight Garrett Wilson ahead. I just I love Garrett Wilson. Uh, so we're all we're kind of we're kind of on the on the same page with this one. So do you think that there is an argument? for kicking the tires and buying Puka Nakua just because of a little bit of indecision out there, despite the overwhelming majority 
uh, kind of moving him up and, and looking at him as this long-term prospect, there's still going to always be that window for guys with his profile. Amon Ross St. Brown, after his rookie season, was traded in a ton of dynasty leagues uh, just because people said, you know, the day three, he has this incredible run. This might be peak value sell time. Where are you at? Um, I wouldn't say that you're selling him. I, I, I don't I, I don't think you can. I think just like you said, with how historic this rookie season was, and I know it sounds like I'm talking about both sides of my mouth here, but with how historic this rookie season was, you can't really ignore that. You can't just say like, ah, it was a, it was a fluke. It's the Sean McVay offense. It's this, it's that. Like, it doesn't matter. It still happened. And we, we really have to respect that with Puka Nakua because I, his play style is something that kind of works for whoever the quarterback is. This is a guy who's going to be catching a lot of balls underneath. He's going to be, he doesn't necessarily have to be the main focus of the offense, but he can be if you need him to. And we saw that when Cooper cup was out. So I do think that a lot of this offense is going to rely on Matthew Stafford, but if there's a guy that I'm willing to bet on, it's Sean McVay that he can kind of make his offense work with whoever. I mean, he got Baker Mayfield starting and playing well after having the playbook for like six hours. Like, I, I think I can trust Sean McVay. Yeah, and and it's interesting. I, I think that like, you know, you saying talk out of both sides of your mouth and, you know, us using the term nuanced. I think oftentimes in Dynasty, a player can be a buy and a sell at the same time. Yep. for certain different builds and kind of where you're at uh, in terms of your strategy for the specific season. I think that that's a, actually a very good way to play dynasty to not try to look at guys as like a complete one way or another. Um, want to talk about one more guy who completely rose this year and that's Trey McBride. Trey McBride is steamed way, way up our dynasty rankings, uh, you know, right here at player profiler, as I'm sure he has over uh, at, at football guys. Is there an argument though, Alfredo, to selling Trey McBride. He has the incredible Travis Kelsey-like usage. He has the whole Dynasty community and redraft community for that matter. Redraft, early redraft rankings, some people are putting him into like the top 24 for next year in non-superflex. And in Dynasty, a lot of people have moved him into like the top three, top four at the position for the Dynasty rankings. So it's been a meteoric rise for him, almost, almost like Puka Nakua, except he had better draft capital in terms of just this incredible steam. Is there an argument from like a game theory perspective to selling Trey McBride though? I mean, there's an argument to sell anybody at the right price. I mean, how many people were all of a sudden selling Justin Jefferson this year when he was injured? And I think at the beginning of the season, you would have never imagined doing something like that. Uh, I do think the tight end position is a little different though, because I just don't think there's that many guys that go out there and command targets and can run well after the catch and actually be the focal point of their team's offense. Now, a lot could change. A lot could change for the Cardinals. You're looking at a team that could end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. on their roster, you know, after the NFL draft, and that could put a damper on, on a lot of things. But we've seen that Kyler Murray, and he's going to be the quarterback there, right? Like you mentioned that earlier, he's going to remain the quarterback with Arizona. He has an affinity for throwing to the tight end. And something worked this year with Trey McBride and Kyler Murray. I don't think it's that crazy that people are treating him like a top three dynasty tight end. I think it's rightfully so. If anything, I think that he's probably top two, Theo. Like I, I've got yeah. him right there, kind of the same way that I had Bijan and Jameer Gibbs really interchangeable at that one two spot. I've got Trey McBride and Sam Laporta pretty interchangeable at that one two spot just because there's there's not a lot of good young athletic tight ends that are commanding that type of target volume. And you start to look at the other at the other guys, and 
they are starting to fall off a little bit. Like you've got now Mark Andrews is going to be coming off of a big injury and a Ravens offense that now has more offensive weapons than they've had in the past, especially a guy like say flowers taking targets away from Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. We all kind of saw that this year, how, how that's been going. Uh, I mean, there's PJ Hawkins, maybe the only other guy. And now you've got Jordan Addison there. Just obviously just Jefferson has been there. Kirk cousins is up in the air. Uh, I, I think that these are the guys where granted, they might still have some, some, target competition on their team but they've proven that they can kind of be the ones that run an offense and that's i think that was the most interesting thing to see with these guys is that the offense was sort of built around each of them mcbride and laporta i love i love the answer i think that it's in the argument that marvin harrison jr or malik neighbors uh, or for that matter a roma dune say if arizona moves down I honestly don't think that that's going to gonna do much to him because I think that it could be a pie grows larger type scenario where he's still able to get, you know, 130 targets, 135 targets next to a wide receiver commanding 150. Kyler can run an explosive offense, and I believe in the system they have in Arizona. So, yeah, I think that it's one of those things where, like you said, if somebody wants to pay the absolute farm and I get a pick that can get me a Brock Bowers plus like something else that's very, very enticing, then I'm willing to do it. But I'm not selling him just to sell him because he had this incredible run. I think that's that, that's the wrong approach. Um, and want to touch base now with the quarterback position because I think the quarterback position is fairly easy. I think if me and you decided to rank the top 12 quarterbacks in Dynasty uh, without including this 2024 rookie class, we'd probably have about 11 of the same 12. The one player who's incredibly difficult to rank right now and incredibly difficult to gauge is Justin Fields. Mm. Justin Fields gave us some tremendous fantasy football games this year. But in terms of his value as an NFL quarterback, that remains to be seen. I believe he's going to be a starter this year. I think that's a safe bet. But I don't know who it's going to be for. Uh, there's a couple teams I, I could wish I could wish for him to land to. I'd love to see him be like an Atlanta Falcon or something like that, but I don't know. He could end up in a situation that's not that great. Where are you at in how you're treating Justin Fields as a dynasty asset? And let's take this to Superflex. Okay, so Justin Fields, man, I, I think what what sucks with this specific case is that at the quarterback spot. You want guys that are giving you longevity. And I think anytime a quarterback has to change hands from one team to another, from one coaching staff to another, that's a ripple in the water. And Justin Fields has, has, has had so many ripples in the water throughout his career that it's kind of just been like a wave pool. And he's still been fine. Like he's still been good for fantasy. Like we don't have to freak out too much about it. But I will say like, it does give me a little bit of cause for concern. If I were to look at maybe like a Justin Fields or a Brock Purdy, I'm leaning Brock Purdy. If I'm looking Justin Fields or Kyler Murray, I'm leaning Kyler Murray. It's because I know what their situation is going to be like going forward. I mean, we could see all, listen, things could change at the drop of a hat. You get Justin Fields onto that Atlanta Falcons offense with, uh, let's say like Ben Johnson ends up there, you know, from, from the Detroit Lions. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, the Falcons become the new hotness. And we're all super happy. And Justin Fields gets steamed up dynasty and redraft boards everywhere. Sure, that, that could absolutely change. But I think for right now, especially with the quarterback, especially for super flex, right, where that position is just, it, it is the crux of your team. I, I want to have that understanding that my quarterback is set for a few years here and I can build around them. Okay, here we go. Litmus test time. 
Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Fields in Dynasty? Roster one. Gross. And I'm saying that as a Dolphins fan. Um, uh, I think I lean Tua. I think there was a lot of meat left on the bone there for Tua this year. There could have been a lot more touchdowns. Jordan Love, quarterback five overall this year, or Justin Fields? Go Jordan Love. I, I, I think that everyone's getting really excited. I still don't think we realize how good he is and how good this pack. It's not just him. It's that the whole Packers team is really good and they're all really young and they're going to be good for quite a while here. So yeah, I'm, I've, I think I might be a lot higher on Jordan love than most people. We, we moved him up and I, I'm, I'm like standing for Jordan love. I love Jordan love that love Jordan love. I I think he's, I think he's really, really good. He's 25. And like you said, he did this this year with not only youth at tight end and wide receiver, but also multiple injuries where his personnel kept changing week after week and they still were efficient. And like you said, like they drafted really well, like beating up on Brian Gutekunst for like years and years and laughing at his decisions to pass up guys like Michael Pittman and T Higgins in Aaron Rodgers uh, era, like he became a punchline. But the last two years, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dubs, Dontavian Wicks, and then both rookie tight ends, he drafted quite well. So yeah, I'm I'm 100% love. I'm love ahead of Tua Tungavailoa and ahead of, yep. of Justin Fields in my own personal ranking. Yep. So I think he could actually stand to gain a lot. And for for better or for worse, the sample size of the NFL playoffs, even in a short one, can amplify guys' value in redraft and in dynasty. You have all everybody watching the same game, you have like the steam start. If guy can reel off, reel off two straight games, that's amazing. If even if somebody has some huge one game performance, it sort of opens eyes to fantasy managers across the country. Who's the player that's going to gain the most in dynasty in this NFL playoffs, Alfredo? So I think it's two guys. I think it's twofold and it's two players that are already hot right now anyways. And I think it's just going to continue to go. It's kind of like we saw with Isaiah Pacheco last year, but I think it's going to be Zay Flowers and Jade Reed. And I think that both of these guys are just in the perfect opportunity to catch a ton of passes from good quarterbacks and good offenses. And it's finally going to happen. I don't want to say finally on a national you know, scale where people are going to see it, but I think it's one thing to do it, you know, week eight versus the Arizona Cardinals. It's another to be in the playoffs with a million eyeballs on you and you're doing it in big moments and people are saying, dang, that Jaden Reed might actually be the wide receiver one for the Packers. And we, I think we both like Christian Watson, but it's kind of hard to be like, hey, Jaden Reed's I'm probably on, just I'm on the go Jayden, back to... I'm on the Jaden Reed train. I love Christian yeah. Watson, but like hashtag better in best ball. Like <laughs> he's good. Don't get me wrong. If he could stay on a field, I want him on my fantasy team, but he has dealt with injuries. Jaden Reed is awesome. Jaden Reed I, like is such a stud and dude, like yeah. the manufactured touches for him with the with the rushing attempts, the the low A dot looks, he's able to thrive on that and he can get down the field and boogie. I think Jaden Reed is nasty and I think that he's the kind of guy that I love your answer. I think that even in a loss to Dallas, which I fully expect them to, if Jaden Reed has himself a big game, people are just going to be like steaming him up. And everybody who thinks that they can get him in the fifth round next year, no. He's going to end up in like the 3-4 turn in redraft, and there's going to be a ton of enthusiasm for him as the summer moves along. Love your Zay Flowers answer as well. I mean, for me, I went a little bit more like high-end, but I talked about A-Chain, but I also think it's Jameer Gibbs because we have Jameer Gibbs, could if he could potentially just go nuclear in the playoffs, and Detroit has a chance to win multiple games here. 
They've got a tricky one against LA, but we've already seen, I, I think Dallas can make the Super Bowl, but we've already seen Detroit have an opportunity to beat Dallas. Game came right down to it. Probably should have not gone for a two-point conversion from the seven-yard line, um, but that was a whole nother thing. But I think Jameer Gibbs could just kind of make the playoffs his own. The enthusiasm for him in Dynasty is there. The enthusiasm for him in Redraft is there. But I think that he could like cement his place inside like the top eight in Redraft next year with a really big playoff. So definitely a cool one. But we got to talk a little bit of buys and sells here because this is a a time period um, where it's an underrated time period to have to make moves in Dynasty. People are all paying attention because of the NFL playoffs. You have the season ending, and you have people trying to take a look at their dynasty rosters and kind of planning towards the future, uh, whether it's rookie picks, whether it's just cleaning up their roster. People start getting an idea whether they're a contender, whether they're a team that needs to rebuild. So I like making trade offers this kind of year. Curious uh, kind of where you're at in terms of that, and I want to start out with your general philosophy on trades this time of year. And then let's dive into it with a couple of your buys and sells. So in terms of trades this time of year, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a chicken. I'm, I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat in January, man. Like, ah, uh, it's so hard because you're coming off of this high of the 2023 season and you're kind of under the ether. You think that you've got it all figured out. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And then boom, someone gets a training camp injury. Someone signs a free agent deal. A surprise player gets cut from another team. Uh, some team that was over the cap is now way under the cap had so many different factors come in and it just, it just ruins everything for you. And with like one stupid move where you're really confident, it could just ruin everything for you. So I'm a bit of a chicken in like January to, to March. And I know like that's big, that's big dynasty trading season. And I'm kind of the guy that's like, okay, I- I'm out. I- I'm out for now. I just kind of want to watch and learn. I I'll take the opposite approach because I do think you, you have managers who kind of fear indecisive situations and you can oftentimes get people who want to, you know, you can get people who you're kind of not really preying on fear, but you might be getting guys on 90 or 80 cents on the dollar. Then Take also, advantage I'll, of me, man. You also that, have that, these... You, you 100% would be taking advantage of me in a league, 100%. You also have these dynasty leagues where, you know, especially if you play like FFPC or some other formats where orphans come in and they immediately want to shake up their team. And, and I like being able to work with new people in dynasty leagues because you want to have trading partners. It doesn't hurt to have trading partners who might be a little less experienced than you as well, Alfredo. You know, once in a while, you don't want to rip people off in Dynasty because you want repetitive deals. But I want to show that I'm willing to to trade with new managers. So I love trading this time of year, but let's let's dive into it. Give me a player that you are buying right now in Dynasty uh, and a guy that you think would either be a great value or a good timing to to make a trade offer for them. So I'm willing to buy Brian Robinson. I think that there's going to be a lot of things in flux with this Washington commanders team. And I mean, one of them is already that Antonio Gibson is going to be a free agent. Another is that we're probably going to see a new quarterback on this roster. And I think there's going to be so much in flux that what this team is probably going to want to do is stick to the guys that can make this rookie quarterback comfortable and having a good running back that can establish the ground game. And Brian Robinson can catch passes out of the backfield. I know it's not what he's known for, but he can do it. Uh, and the, the commanders have shown that they're willing to commit to him early on in the season. He was doing great. A lot of his success can't kind of came off of touchdowns, but the volume was there. And if there's one of these guys, you know, we talk about like Kyron and Rashad white and all these guys that really got a lot more volume than maybe anticipated. Brian Robinson is one of those dudes. If Antonio Gibson doesn't come back and they really don't make a big move, 
the commanders need to focus on a bunch of other things that are going to help them long-term, not adding more running backs. So I think Brian Robinson is one of these guys that you could see just getting a ton of volume and kind of be that security blanket for a rookie quarterback or whoever the new offensive coordinator is for this team. I love the answer. And I love that you give a guy that I think is affordable. Brian Robinson shown uh, showed that, you know, real acumen is a pass catcher this year. And I think that that was something that people weren't necessarily projecting in his game, but the whole argument that Antonio Gibson was going to fill some sort of Jarek McKinnon role. It was actually Brian Robinson seeing a lot of those McKinnon like, uh, you know, plays. So he's interesting because he scored very well. He also was able to come back after, you know, a really terrible off the field injury with the gunshot. And he was able to come back and not only play quickly after that, but with a full off season, he was able to come in and, and be very, very impactful for us, especially in the first half of the season. It evened out a little bit scoring wise in the second half, but he was an RB one for a good portion of the early season. I love that answer. I'm going to go much older than you uh, with my answer. And I think that a lot of times you can take advantage of people's fear of age uh, and the age apex in dynasty. And one guy that I feel like the market has not caught up to is Mike Evans. And Mike Evans has so many outs here. You know, this is a 30-year-old wide receiver. So you're immediately, a lot of my managers are going to say, I got wide receiver seven production out of Mike Evans last year. He was led the NFL in touchdown receptions. This is an obvious sell. If somebody wants to pay me for him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of him. But if I have a team that can win a title in the next two years, I love adding Mike Evans. Mike Evans has shown that he's like ageless. He had a, a huge uh, production with Baker Mayfield this year, completely dusted Chris Godwin in terms of the value flip. And Mike Evans is either going to get a massive contract from Tampa Bay, which I think would insulate him as like a round two guy in redraft, or somebody's going to pay him the bag and he's going to step into a situation that could be m- even better. You know, Kansas City, teams like Arizona that we mentioned are looking to get a wide receiver in the draft to have cap space. Like Mike Evans is going to be very much in demand. He's playing at an extremely high level, and I'm getting an age discount. I can get him as a potential mercenary addition for my for my dynasty team, and it's not going to cost me nearly as much if he was like 28 years old. Um, so I'm I'm kicking the kicking the, the tires on Mike Evans. Give me another player that you're looking uh, to acquire in dynasty right now. I love I love that you're giving love to the old guys because that's another have, guy I'm talking about here. You have to. He's I, younger than I am, so. You know, I got to I got to give credit. They're all they're all, you know, I can't really call them any of them old. You know, I'm the old guy. True. It's so true. We're sitting here like, yeah, these guys really don't have a lot of years left. And then you look and like, oh, you kidding me? 30 years old. He's ancient, practically a grandpa. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, Okay, so listen, I think a lot of people were out on this player going into this season, whether it was a redraft or dynasty. And I think that was wrong. Uh, Alvin Kamara. I, I think that there's still plenty left for him to do. He's seen that this New Orleans Saints offense can run through him. And it listen, Jamal Williams not taking anything away from him. The fact that Jamal Williams had to get his first and only touchdown of the season on that weird fake kneel by Jameis Winston kind of shows you where the team is at. Like everyone was worried, oh, Jamal Williams is going to come in and do the same thing he did for the Lions and just ruin Alvin Kamara. No. No, guys, like that's not what happened. And we were able to see this great discount because of the suspension that happened with Alvin Kamara. Listen, he may not be the most efficient runner, but that's never been where his value has come from. He is a guy that's going to consistently get used in the passing game. Whether Derek Carr stays there or not, 
it really seems like no matter what the offensive game plan is get this ball into Alvin Kamara's hands. I think we all sort of wish casted and really wanted Kendra Miller to be the next guy, the heir apparent there. I love Kendra Miller. I think that he's going to have to do a lot to really unseat Alvin Kamara or put a dent into Alvin Kamara's work. And I think that if you're a contending team and right now, Alvin Kamara looks like the perfect sell high candidate. He just came off a great year. He's a little bit older. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are looking at what happened to Austin Eckler and saying, Ooh, Kamara could be next. And I think because he's the perfect sell candidate, he kind of also becomes the perfect buy low candidate because if you're a contender, you can go out there and get him. Uh, why not? I like it. And I was able to acquire some Alvin Kamara this season. The The price never matched up with the production and certainly he tailed off, but I love your, your argument for him. Uh, he's aging very, very gracefully, and he had the bounce back after the four-game suspension where we saw him return to like the gaudy target numbers, which really lacked the, you know last year. So I, I love that one. I'll go with a younger guy in this one. I think this might be the time to buy Tajay Spears, and it feels mm. like a buy high, but I'm okay buying high. Uh, this was a guy that I made sure I had on all of my Derrick Henry teams in Dynasty. And I think that was smart. And that becomes sort of like a blackjack split if Derrick Henry signs as a free agent with someone and Ty J. Spears takes over the job. But we talked about Rashad White. We talked about James Cook. I think this year's year two breakout running back is going to be Ty J. Spears. And you have the coaching change in Tennessee. You also have the fact that there is no enthusiasm to have Titans on their roster. A lot of people like Ty J. Spears, but people look at this as a team that could be a very bad offense. But in terms of receiving, Tajay Spears gave us about a 50 receptions this year as a rookie, about exactly what Rashad White did for us last year as a rookie. Tajay Spears is an explosive player. I think he'll be incredibly efficient. And he has a chance to be the number two target uh, on the Tennessee Titans next year as a running back, which is potential for big-time fantasy success. So I am willing to kick the tires and, and buy high on Tajay Spears. I don't care that he doesn't have an ACL. Alfredo, I don't care. No, I mean, Tajay Spears, I think too many people got scared off by the ACL stuff and the knee stuff. And it's weird. And I was one of those, like, I kind of let the group thing get to me. It's weird because we just had seen him absolutely obliterate people at the senior bowl and USC in their bowl game. And it's just like, guys, what changed? What changed in a couple months? We, I, I was guilty of it, thinking way too long term and not just being like, Tajay Spears could be really good for two years in the league. And that's really all we need to get value out of these guys, especially at the running back spot. So I love that one, Theo. Give us another uh, buy for you. So this one's probably not as flashy. And I think there's a lot of people gonna be like, huh, when I say it, but I'm kind of cool with kicking the tires on Wandale Robinson. I want to see what, what's going to happen here with him because he was a guy that he was the heavy target hog in his first season has the injury the Giants kind of get derailed, right? With no Daniel Jones and you get the whole Tommy DeVito thing and everyone's getting really excited over in, in the Meadowlands. And uh, man, it just Wandale Robinson has been the guy that you kind of see the consistency that he looks like he's always going to be the target leader on this team. This doesn't seem like a team where a, a big time free agent wide receiver wants to go to. The Giants have bigger problems where I don't think they're drafting a wide receiver early in the NFL draft. I think that everything that we want out of one of these kind of low cost, high target guys that we see like a Jaden Reed and uh, like, like some of these other slot receivers, like a Josh downs in India in, in uh, for Indianapolis Colts. 
Wandell Robinson is very much one of those guys, super athletic. I think he's just in the same mold as Jaden Reed, uh, where he can do a lot of things, taking jet sweeps around, working out of the backfield, basically being consistently open. Even if the quarterback is Daniel Jones and it's not pretty for the Giants, the target volume should be there. And I really don't think that Wandell Robinson costs you a whole lot. Wandell Robinson is completely cheap. You're giving us definitely a, a cheap buy and talk about a second round pick. Uh, he struggled with injuries and we've had multiple quarterbacks, like you said. I think that's a, definitely an interesting one, especially with Brian Dable returning. I'm going to go with another guy that's also a year two player. And it's sort of a, a renaissance time for the tight end position because you have you know, such enthusiasm for these young tight ends at the top, plus the addition of Brock Bowers this year, who's going to be an instant tight end one in Dynasty, plus the guys like Evan Ingram and David Njoku, who gained value this year despite being veterans uh, because their con their contracts are insulated. And kind of under the radar right now is Jake Ferguson. And Jake Ferguson finishes as the tight end nine this year in, a, in his second season in the league. He gets you 96 targets. He gets you 65 receptions. And he gets you five touchdown catches. And his season could have been even bigger. Uh, he led all tight ends in red zone targets. So he could have had, you know, if we're going to use the term some people hate, like positive touchdown regression is in his range of outcomes next year. Dak clearly loves him. He's got some dog to him. And he's a second-year player. I, there's no, there's not enough dynasty enthusiasm for Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson is the kind of guy that you could obtain uh, for a little bit less than I think he's worth and have a set-it-and-forget-it tight end in your dynasty roster for like the next four years. Dak Prescott's tight end finishes the past four seasons, tight end 11 in 2020, tight end three in 2021, tight end 10 in 2022, and tight end nine in 2023. Dak Prescott, like Kyler Murray, loves his tight end. So Jake Ferguson is my third buy. Alfredo, start us out with a, with a dynasty sell. So my first dynasty sell here, I started with a commander as a guy to buy. I'm going to start with the commander as a guy to sell. I'm fine selling Terry McLaurin right now. I kind of, I don't want to do this whole song and dance with him. It, it has nothing to do with him as a player. He is an incredibly talented player, but it seems like every year we just sort of do this thing where we talk about Terry McLaurin being so good. And we just go, if he could just get a quarterback. And I think that there's going to be so many people that are going to be driving down that narrative street of finally the commanders are getting a quarterback. And there's going to be a lot of narrative of what the, the Houston Texans were just able to do so many great things for Nico Collins with a rookie quarterback. Not every rookie is going to be CJ Stroud. Okay. CJ Stroud was unprecedented. So if the commanders go and they end up with a Jaden Daniels or a Drake may or Caleb Williams, however, this ends up happening. I don't necessarily see a top 24 season in fantasy for Terry McLaurin, even though he's incredibly talented. You're also talking about a guy who's what he's 28 years old. So th this time next year, we're looking at a 29 year old guy who we're kind of hoping that their second year quarterback is getting things going. And this is not to mention that Jahan Dotson should probably have a bounce back season as well. Uh, there's going to be a big transition there with the offensive system. We don't really know what it's going to be. So I think there's going to be enough people excited about a rookie quarterback coming in for Terry McLaurin thinking, you know, he's finally going to hit. And I just want out. I just want yeah. out. I don't want to keep doing the song and dance anymore. I, I love it. I think that this might be like your cash out window. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin. It's always been like a guy that not necessarily his fault, but he's been a super talented player where the points per game just don't really match up with the production. 
the idea of Terry McLaurin is always a little bit better than actual results for your fantasy team. No one's ever said like, hey, Alfredo, you know that year that I won like two grand in my fantasy league where Terry McLaurin went nuts in that fantasy playoffs? No one's ever said that statement in the history of time. So I love your I love your suggestion there. Uh, if you're listening to this, please smash the like button. Make sure you're subscribing to us here at Player Profiler. We're going to have dynasty lives like this all season long, all off season long. I uh, I want to give you another high, a high-end guy, even more of a high-end wide receiver uh, than Terry McLaurin, and that's DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf had a very strong season this year where DK looked great, but he's another player where the talent does not match up with the fantasy production. And this is sort of like a, like a Mandela effect thing where if I ask you DK Metcalf's, you know, PPR points per game, the last three years, you, you would go back and maybe, you know, you'd say like, you know, he's a wide receiver, 15 wide receiver, 18, you know, maybe wide receiver, 19, you know, we think about those kind of raw numbers, but his last three seasons, he's averaged 14.4 points per game, which made him wide receiver 20 overall, 13.3 points per game, which was last year where he averaged 13 points. Uh, he was wide receiver 24. And then this past season, it felt like you got this incredible win because your mind thinks about DK making these incredible Randy Moss like catches in like a highlight reel but he gave me 14 points per game again, wide receiver 22 on the year. I think that the perception of DK Metcalf will get me more than the actual production. He's still in that relative age where he's he's still uh, you know looked at as a player that's not at the age apex, but he's reaching there. And then Alfredo, we also have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Year two could end up being a target hog. So this is, I think, is a really good window to not give away DK Metcalf, but I think you could get a great deal with DK Metcalf. You could pivot to draft picks. This draft class is absolutely loaded with wide receiver talent. You could pivot down. And DK Metcalf is also a great player to include in two-for-ones if you're trying to get a big ticket. A lot of people will look at it and say, you know, hey, you're making me that offer with DK Metcalf and like a late first. I'm kind of willing to trade a, a much better wide receiver. And I think that's more impactful to your, your uh, fantasy dynasty roster. How about one more sell, Alfredo, before we wrap this up? So this is kind of in the same vein as Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf. I'm going with Amari Cooper okay. and Amari Cooper. I mean, he's nearly 30 years old and I know it's, we don't want to base everything off of age. Right. But at some point these guys do start to break down. And I think that Cleveland has had a magical season, right? Kevin Stefanski, great coach. I think it's only so long until that train kind of falls off the tracks there, right? Deshaun Watson has not been what everyone wanted him to be. And we've seen that so much of actually Amari Cooper's success has kind of come with other quarterbacks and with Joe Flacco and with some of these other guys and uh, David Joku also coming out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but really showing that he could be a guy that leads this offense. Amari Cooper's still great. This is not me saying he's going to obviously decline or that he will decline. But there's a lot of goodwill that has been sort of built up with Amari Cooper. He had some incredible games and he did it at the right time too for a lot of people trying to get into the fantasy playoffs. And then at the end, it's not like he played bad. He was injured and could not play. So there really wasn't that negative detractor towards the end of the season. So you're talking about a guy who's a little bit older, didn't have to play with his actual starting quarterback. So there's some uncertainty going into the next season. And he finished off on a really, really high note. I don't see why I wouldn't want to be selling him right now. 
I, I think I'm with you. Father Time is undefeated. And in the back of our mind, anybody who had Amari Cooper or went up against him in a fantasy league got annihilated in week 16 with a 50-point performance. So that's recency bias plays it comes into play. I think that this might be the last offseason where he holds this sort of value. And one guy, which I'm going to list as a sell, that people are probably going to read as a dynasty sell about 800 times this offseason, but I'm willing to sell him for cheap, and that's Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey, once the milk starts going sour, I don't want any part of it. You also have the fact that you know he's becoming very famous off the field. There's different motivations with Kelsey. But really, the 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 overwhelming factor for me is he goes from 18.6 points per game down to 14.6 points per game. He was still the focal point of the offense. Rasheed Rice had many weeks to get going before he became really a viable every week fantasy starter. And Travis Kelsey's points per game dropped to the lowest that they have been since 2016. He's 34 years old. You're already going to take a haircut because you're you're trading somebody who's a little bit older. But Alfredo, I'm I'm willing to do it. I want to get a guy like you mentioned, David Njoku. I mentioned Jake Ferguson. Those sort of guys, there's still a pivot trade to be made with Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't be willing to finagle it, but I want to be able to pivot to another tight end or get draft picks for him. I think at this time next year, he might be out of football. I think that's in the range of, of possibilities as well. I think he'll come back for another year. I, I don't buy into him retiring this offseason. Um, but I think if Kansas City wins a Super Bowl this year, there's a chance that happens too. So I had a couple leagues where I picked him up, didn't work out well. I finished second in one league. I'm putting him right back on the uh, right back on the the trade market uh, this offseason. Your thoughts on Kelsey? Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I think I'm I'm ready to let him go as well uh, to trade him. I, I we're seeing more and more of these players that get a little bit older, willing to you know focus on a podcasting career and focus on things that are outside of football and and like that's cool, man. Like you need to be able to do that. I do think that the Chiefs, Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid, I think they want to run it back one more time because I think they're, they're going to look at this year as kind of the, okay, we fudged up. Uh, we had some injuries. We didn't quite have the receiving core we wanted. And that's another factor too. They're probably going to add another receiver there, probably a, another good player. I don't think it totally kills Kelsey, but I, I do think the value is on its way down. Love it. Uh, Alfredo, let everybody know what you have coming up uh, at Football Guys. You're incredibly generous uh, with your time and your takes today. Look forward to chopping it up with you another time this offseason. But let everybody know where they can find your work and the podcast you and Dave are putting out. Yeah, so we've got the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show. Very creative name, but we, we hit it right nail on the head. Uh, you can SEO, check that out it's over. A, it's an SEO dream, Alfredo. What a, yeah, what a, what a yeah. decision. Exactly. It's like it's like the owner that that uh, names their restaurant restaurant near me. So when local you Google Thai it, it just restaurant. pops up. Local exactly, Thai restaurant. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Right. Um, so yeah, we've got the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show. We're gonna be doing that all throughout the offseason, talking about the NFL coaching hires, free agency, the NFL draft, draft prospects, all kinds of stuff. We're gonna have on some great guests. Um, so we've got that show. It's going to be over on youtube.com slash football guys. We're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and then uh we the football guys, we have a really big company retreat this weekend at Vegas. So we're going to be talking oh. more and more about a bunch of our, our off season plans there and really laying that out to you guys. So, uh, so we can promote that, but head on over to footballguys.com, become a subscriber and uh, check out our newsletter that goes to over 700,000 people every day. Yeah. It's a very, very, very good newsletter. Uh, you know, hope you have a great time in Vegas. Not a bad weekend to be going to Vegas as an NFL or fantasy guy. Um, and definitely check out, the dynasty life somebody dropping these every single week 
And tomorrow at some point, future cast is going to drop. We pre-recorded it last night. Maddie Kiewum and I did a two-round 2024 rookie draft with Ian Miller of the 33rd team. And then tune in tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Thursday. Billy Muzio and I are going to have Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm on. We're going to talk NFL playoffs, and we're going to talk about some FFPC uh, playoff contest strategy. I am Theo Greminger, Alfredo Brown of Football Guys. Stick with us here at Player Profiler all, all offseason long. We got you covered for all of your dynasty needs. And Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, stick with us all year. And have a wonderful NFL playoffs. For a lot of you guys, you put the grind in all season long. Now's the time to sit back and relax and enjoy it. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.